check, 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 check. Hey, good morning, and welcome to Faith on Hill's online Sunday service. We gather in person and online every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. In person, we are at Faith on Hill. It's a church in the Milwaukee, Oak Grove, Gladstone area, right on Hill Road. Uh, we have masks. We're socially distanced. We're doing all the things that we're supposed to do. Um, in fact, I had somebody come to me recently and say, hey, thank you. I feel safe when I come to church. I don't feel like I'm going to get sick by being around people. Uh, so i uh, very proud of our church for that. And so we are in person every Sunday morning. We have same live Bible teaching, worship, prayer, all of that is happening in person. But we also gather online, and you are here with us either uh, on our uh, website, faithonhill.com, you are on our uh, Facebook page, and if you are, drop a comment in the chat. We'd love to know uh, who's here, how we can pray with you, how we can pray for you. Uh, we also have an audio-only version of this on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You just have to search Faith on Hill. Now, uh, we also know that not everybody is live at the same time. And so if you want to get a hold of us uh, for some other reason, you can email adam at faithonhill.com. If you want to know how to take the next step with us, you know, Sunday mornings are our central gathering point. But if you're looking, how do I take the next step in being part of the family of faith here at Faith on Hill Church? Uh, small groups at faithonhill.com is the email. You send that email, we'll send you the link to our Wednesday night online small group. Um, and if you have any other questions about any other kinds of small groups, you can connect with us there. We uh, also have a, a teaching podcast, the 20-minute Bible study that premieres uh, during the week as well. Uh, the video version is on our Facebook, and the audio version is at Apple Music and Spotify. And if you've already found the audio or video version of this service, then you know where to find the 20-minute Bible study. We are studying the book of Daniel, and we have been talking about how to live as followers of Jesus, people of faith in a faithless world. How do we live as exiles? And so we are going to continue that study this morning. We're going to look uh, kind of at a recap of how things are. So if you, uh, if you have a Bible, uh, probably best to open it to the book of Daniel, beginning at chapter 7. How's your week been? Did you lose power? Hey, let's have a let's have a check in on the chat. Uh, did you lose power? Uh, did you did you weather it? Power just went out for a little bit. Uh, as of this recording, um, most of the church seems to have power back on. Uh, the church itself has power. Everything's back to normal. Uh, personally, for me, my house still does not have power. Um, we're on day six of no power. Uh, and, you know, I'm not complaining. Many people have it much, much worse than we do. And um, so, you know, I'm, I'm thankful, you know, that uh, we didn't have a tree go through our, our house. I know that there are folks uh, connected with the church that had, had a tree go through their house. And we've had neighbors that have experienced much worse than we have. Um, our next door neighbors having to file uh, a claim with their homeowner's insurance. And we're not having to. So um, I don't know how your week's been. I can take a guess how your year's been, though. You know, um, Easter moves every year, and with it, things like Lent and Ash Wednesday move too. And this last week, I'm not an observer of Lent, and I'm not being critical if you are, but I'm personally not. But 
Ash Wednesday uh, stuck out to me because Ash Wednesday last year was in March, and Ash Wednesday was the last week before everything kind of shut down. And uh, I remember for, uh, I didn't intend on going to these things, but the day after Ash Wednesday, um, I went to a, a Catholic church service. And then, uh, and then the, the, actually it was Ash Wednesday, I went to a Catholic church service. And then the day after Ash Wednesday, I went to an Orthodox church service. This was for school. And, and then I remember everything shutting down. So it's very significant for me. We're coming up on a full year next month that we've been living with this pandemic. And obviously before that, January and February, it was in the news. We were aware that there was a virus. But, you know, you look at this thing and you go, man, this, this last year has been so tough. And this last week for many in our community has been so tough. And I wish my life was different. I wish my life was going better. I wish I had that person's life. And maybe it's not a person that you know currently. Maybe uh, the, the life that you're envying is somebody who's not even with us. Like I was thinking the other day, I wish I had my, I wish I had my grandfather's life. You know, he was, he was young enough that he missed the Great Depression uh, and, and was a child during World War II. And then he was old enough that he, he didn't experience, you know, 9-11. He didn't, uh, he didn't experience um, 08. He didn't experience the pandemic. Like, he missed a lot of things. Overall, he had a pretty even, steady life. He was an officer in the Army, and then he was a high school teacher, you know. Lived a very, very steady, normal life. But that's not the whole truth. That's not everything. And that's how people see things, though. We see somebody's life and we say, I'd like that. I'd like to be part of that. Daniel chapter 6, where we left off last week, verse 28, the last verse in chapter 6, says Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And Daniel is one of the top, uh, most powerful people in the world at this point. He has all the food he needs. He has all the comfort available. He has all the power and authority somebody could want. And we think, oh, I'd like that. I'd like that. That sounds nice. I'd like my grandfather's life. I'd, I'd like this person's life. I'd like that person's life. I wish I was born 20, 30 years earlier. Um, you know, all of these things. I know uh, somebody, you know, in the millennial generation, um, when I lived in California, there were people who were just, you know, they just born 30 years earlier than me. And they, they owned these million dollar, sometimes a couple million dollar homes. And they had bought them for $30,000 in 1986, you know. And, and then just because of the area changing and boom, you know, now their house is worth a million, two million dollars. And I thought, man, I'd like that. That's, that's, I wish I had been born just a few years earlier. And then I remembered knowing the trials and the troubles that they had been through. And I said, I don't want that part of their life. But that's how we are. Daniel chapter 7, which is the next part of the book of Daniel, you know, you go Daniel chapter 1 and 2 and 3 and 4, so on. Daniel chapter 7 is a, is a really marked shift in the book of Daniel. The, the storyline, the narrative kind of stops. And what we get is some behind the scenes. Daniel chapter 7, verse
verse 1 says, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and a vision passed through his mind, and he wrote down the substance of the dream. So during this time, uh, King Belshazzar, that was a couple weeks ago, remember the writing on the wall? Um, that was during that time period. This is what was going on behind the scenes. And how does Daniel chapter 7 end? Spoiler alert, because we're going to study it next week. It says, at the end of this matter, I, Daniel, was deeply troubled in my thoughts, and my face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. So publicly, Daniel is at the top of his game. Inwardly, he is troubled. He doesn't have anybody he can talk to about it. Uh, it's possible that any of his friends or peers are dead, and, and he's the only one left that he could have explained what he was going through to. You look on the outside, he's got all the success, but on the inside, he's deeply troubled. He, he's going through a, a trial. And then the same thing at the beginning of chapter 8. In the third year of King Belshazzar's reign, I, Daniel, had a vision after the one that had already appeared to me. So it's a different vision. And how does it end? Verse 27 of chapter 8 says, I, Daniel, was worn out. I was exhausted for several days. I was appalled by the vision, and it was beyond understanding, and so on and so on and so on. The point I'm getting at is we're kind of doing a recap of where we've been and looking at where we're going, but the point I'm getting at is you could look at your life in this last year, you could look at this li your life in this last year and say, my life has been hard. I want what someone else has. I've been, I've been out of power for six days, and, and half of that time there was ice and snow and it was freezing cold, and, and I want to be where it's warm. I want to I be in, in San Diego right now. I want to be in California right now. Uh, uh, last week, before the power outages, I had a Zoom meeting. And one of the guys on the meeting is a pastor in Mexico. And I thought, oh, that'd be nice. He's there. I can see the sunshine, the warm you know, weather. He can see the Pacific Ocean from where he's at. But he's also got to deal with all kinds of things you know, from, from the pandemic, which is far worse there th than it is here. Uh, the death rate's far higher. The medical system is not anywhere near as good. Um, the cartels have used the opportunity to increase as, as the chaos has spread. Do I want that? And think about Daniel's life. Let's look back. Victories and trauma. It kind of went hand in hand. In chapter 1, which we studied uh, now a couple months ago almost, but in chapter 1, here's Daniel. He's around 14 to 16. So let's just say he's a 15-year-old boy. He's 15 years old, and his city is being laid siege. There is an army surrounding his city, and his city is ransacked. It's taken over, and he is carried away in chains never to return home. He would never go back to his home. So he has siege. He has trials or trauma. Uh, there's the disagreement about what would have happened to Daniel as he was brought into captivity. Uh, would he have been abused in any way, uh, physically or molested, even, even sexually? Uh, would he have been uh, made a eunuch? And if you don't know what that is, you can ask your dad. I'm sure it won't be an awkward conversation one bit. But uh, there's, there's indications that maybe he was made a eunuch. I don't know one way or the other. Some scholars think he was. Some scholars think he wasn't. Here's a guy who, who went through warfare, 
and siege and then all kinds of trials and victimization. And now he's, he's a captive, even though he has a certain amount of freedom within the city, but he's functionally a captive the rest of his life. And yet, what do we see in Daniel chapter 1? He, he has great success. He excels above all the other people in this, in this kind of training class to be an official in the Babylonian Empire. And then in Daniel chapter 2, he's at the end. He's like in the senior year of school. And all of a sudden, there's a purge. There's a, a, you know, a death sentence put on all officials in his classification, even the trainees. And yet, God is with him. And, and he gets through that, and he actually gets promoted because of it. You see where I'm going with this. He has victories, and everybody goes, oh, I want that. I want the end of Daniel chapter 6 where it says Daniel prospered. And we forget about the trials. Daniel uh, chapter 3 and chapter 6, death threats. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fiery furnace, Daniel in the lion's den. In both cases, God delivered them, but that doesn't mean that they didn't go through serious trial or trauma during that experience. Daniel chapter 4 and chapter 5, in both cases, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, or his grandson, Belshazzar, called Daniel forth. Daniel is probably like age 40 in chapter 4, and he's in his 70s in chapter 5, and they call them forth. They say, here is our, our thing, our, our, our issue, our question, our problem. Can you speak what God would say to us? And Daniel speaks, and in both cases, Nebuchadnezzar and his grandson Belshazzar, decades apart, in both cases, he's ignored, his message is rejected, he says, do this, they do the opposite. You ever feel like that? I mean, I know parents do, like that's the old joke. You know, parents understand this. But you're trying to tell somebody about the gospel, the good news of Jesus. You're trying to tell somebody, hey, this is a way to find freedom. You're trying to tell somebody, hey, you don't have to live in the bondage of sin and death anymore. You're trying to tell somebody, this is, this is a good path they keep going the opposite way. And I know that resonates with some of you. Either because you're the person who's trying to encourage somebody and they're not listening, or you know that you're the one who's not listening. And that's what Daniel's been going through. Yes, there's been victory, but there has also been trauma and trial and setback. Don't mistake the appearance of stability in somebody's life for the reality of their life. You may look at somebody and say, I remember, I remember I, I had a friend, and um, he's one of my oldest friends, met him in kindergarten. We were in kindergarten to class together, and we graduated in the same class at the same school from high school. And his family never moved. They moved when he was like four years old, and then never moved again. And I was so jealous, because my family moved, and, and um, you know, in high school we moved. I think we were averaging like every year and a half we moved. It just we moved a lot. Um, and he never moved. And I remember going to his house in high school, and and I just it was so comforting because it was the same house that I had gone to in kindergarten. And then it was the same house I had gone to in middle school when we were in a band together. And 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 then in my senior year of high school, I went there, and it was the same house, and it was the same furniture and all that. I was so jealous of that stability. And then I found out later all of the troubles and trials that his family was going through. 
I found out later that that stability wasn't quite what I thought it was. And, and maybe you're kind of nodding your head to yourself or in you know, real life, you're like, yep, I've seen that, I've experienced that. Or maybe you're going, hmm, maybe that person that I've, that, that family, that, that whatever, that I've I said, I want that, only to find out it's not necessarily the reality. Everybody wants Daniel's victory. They don't want the suffering. That's, that's the only thing. I, I had a, a teacher in, in Bible college, most boring teacher ever. But he said this one thing, and it's so true. He said, everybody wants the apostle's position. You get these people that want to be leaders in the church, and they want to be called apostle or bishop or right reverend or whatever. They want this title. They want this position. And they don't want the apostle's suffering. You know, that, that all of the 12 disciples except for uh, uh, John were, were killed for their faith. And John, who lived into, the, into his old age, but he suffered greatly and throughout his life because of his profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Paul suffered greatly because of his profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Don't mistake the appearance of stability in somebody's life for the reality. Just because Daniel was on the outside prospering doesn't mean that he wasn't going through great trials. Now, I said earlier that Daniel chapter 7 is a shift, and that's why we're kind of taking a pause and a recap. Daniel chapter 1 through 6 is a narrative story. Starts with Daniel as a young man with his friends, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, who are also known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, probably better known by those Babylonian names. And these young men are taken captive from the city of Jerusalem and brought to the city of Babylon and put to work as officials and administrators in the Babylonian Empire. And then the story follows them as they deal with the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, or his successors, uh, his grandson Belshazzar, or Darius the Mede, who uh, the Medes and the Persians conquered the Babylonian Empire and installed themselves as the rulers. And so now Daniel's, he's just a, a bureaucrat, right? Like he's that guy uh, that works at the State Department, um, and it doesn't matter who the president is. He was there under Obama, he was there under Trump, he's there under Biden, he'll be there under the next woman or man. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, that's kind of what Daniel was. He was just that guy who's always there. And it kind of works through this storyline of, of them working where they were placed, of them speaking God's message to these kings, some who rejected like Belshazzar, others like Nebuchadnezzar, who the indication is that we might see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. Um, and, and here he is, he's going through this. But remember, we're in chapter 7, all the way forward through the rest of the book, what we're going to see is these accounts of these divine visions that Daniel experiences, these prophetic visions of future events, some of which he will understand, some of which he will not. But here's the thing. The thing about Daniel so far isn't just his victory and his traumas or his trials, but it is how God works in and through people. Daniel is at least 75 years old when chapter 7 starts. At least. He might be a little older. And so really, from chapter 5 onward, chapter 5 onward, Daniel is at least 75 years old, if not older. And Daniel, the book of Daniel, shows what God can and will do through unlikely people. This is untapped potential. 
God used Daniel at a young age. Chapter 1, he's like 15 years old. Chapter 2, he's somewhere around like 18 to 20 years old. Here are, here are these young men that God used, God worked through. And not just that God worked through them, but that they responded to God's call. Who's the most unlikely person to be in church? Not just Faith on Hill, but any church. The most unlikely person to be in church is an unmarried man age 18 to 29. That statistic has been consistently true for the last 25 years, and it is still unchanged. If you, are a, a sing, if you are an unmarried dude, age 18 to 29, you are the least likely person to be in church. Congratulations. I used to take great pride in that when I was an unmarried dude between the age of 18 and 29, and I heard that statistic. I was like, that's me. There's a lot of reasons why that statistic is true, but I believe one of those reasons is that churches are often hesitant to give real responsibility, and with that responsibility, some authority to the youth. And they say, well, they're not ready. Even though they were exactly the age, you know, somebody started, uh, was given some responsibility at like age 25, and now they're age 45 or they're age 65, but they say, oh, they're not ready. Well, they're exactly the same age as you were. But we do that, and I'll be honest, the older I get, I start to feel the same way. And I'm seeing that myself, and I'm having to remind myself, how old was I when I started? How many mistakes did I make along the way that I needed to make those mistakes? So the early part of Daniel shows how God can and will and does work through the youth. But now, in this later part of Daniel, Daniel is over 75 years old. And... Uh, we are a multi-generational church, and I love that. And I love that we have leaders of all ages. We have leaders with real authority in their 20s and 30s. We have leaders with real authority in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. I love that we are a multi-generational church. And so here's the first part of Daniel, youth. The second part of Daniel, the old. Daniel is not young anymore. You know, I, I, I told my mom recently, and I don't think my mom watches these, so I'm going to say this, but I told my mom uh, last summer, I said, you know, at your age, you need to do this. And she got so offended. What do you mean, at my age? And I said, yes, at your age. Because there comes a point where that conversation happens, right? And we say, this is what our society says. You're too young, you can't do anything. You're too old, you can't do anything. God says the opposite. God used the exile. You say, oh, we, we as a church can't do anything. We're not a big church. We're not a rich church. Uh, we're not a church of great influence. Like, we're not a church of the upper, uh, upper classes. We're, we're a working-class, blue-collar church. Who is God using throughout this story? The exile. Their kingdom has been conquered. They are traumatized slave labor, even though they're functionally like white-collar slave labor, but they are slave labor. And yet God is using Daniel and Hananiah and Azariah and Mishael, these, these young men, and then eventually old men, he's using them for his purposes. So God's using the exile just like he can use us. God's using the young just like he can use the young in our church. God's using the old just like he can use the older sisters and brothers in our church. Just because your, your life might be crazy and unstable right now, and you're looking around going, 
oh, I, I, I just don't feel like I have any certainty anymore. It does not mean that God cannot and will not use you. God uses Daniel when he's young. God uses Daniel when he's old. I believe that the oldest person at Faith on Hill and the youngest person at Faith on Hill has great potential as long as they are surrendered to God. And I hope in your heart, in your living rooms, wherever you are, you're, you're going for a hike and listening to the audio version, however you're receiving this, I hope there's an amen. And, and if you believe that is true, that there is still sky's the limit for what God can and will do through you, through the youth, through the old, through our church, through the churches in our area. Just tap amen in the chat, in the comments. Uh, you know, let's, let's, let's interact with that a little bit. But Daniel shows, even with all of the trauma, even with all of the setbacks, constant threats of death, uh, you know, enslavement, all of these things that you would say Daniel had that against him, yet God still used him and still worked through him. But there's something to this. The fact that Daniel was used by God when he was young and when he was old, and I believe that it is this. This is the big challenge, the big takeaway. Exiles have to play the long game. Exiles have to play the long game. I have seen where Christians in their youth get very passionate for God and they burn bright and then they burn out quick. And I have seen Christians in their old age who do not think about anything beyond the years that they have left. There is a church right now in our denomination who may not reopen after COVID and they have made no plans for what happens beyond the 15 or so people in their 80s that are part of that church. They figure they have 10, 15 years left before they go to be with Jesus, and they have no plans beyond that. And that's just as bad as the 20-year-old Christian that gets so excited and so excited, and, they just, and then they burn out, and they have no faith in their 30s and their 40s. It's just as bad. You've got to play the long game. Daniel was used by God when he was very young and when he was very old and in between. How do you do that? You guard your soul. We've been through trauma this year. COVID created trauma. There's been emotional trauma, social trauma, relational trauma. People that I thought I had great connection and fellowship with and then COVID happens and all of a sudden we are on two different sides of the same issue, right? Uh, there's been economic trauma. All, trauma reveals the fault lines. You know, uh, you have a family, and, and, and everything looks good on the outside, but, but the, the, the husband and the wife know that below the surface things aren't good. And then something happens, some kind of trauma happens, and the fault lines are revealed. If it's strong, it's strong. If it's weak, it's weak, and you find out when things get shaken up. And that's what COVID has done. That's what, what this last year has done, is that it revealed the fault lines. You have to guard your soul. We have to recognize we've been through trauma. And, and, and maybe not just 2020, 2021, maybe trauma's been going on for longer. And I think it has. And if you've been through physical trauma, you need healing, right? You, you know, you need physical therapy. You need to rehab if you if you're if you uh, 
if you tweak your back, if, you, if you, you're playing basketball, you blow out your knee, you need to rehab that injured part of your body. Physical trauma needs healing. Emotional, mental trauma needs healing. You go through something and then, you know what, I need to go see a counselor. And there is nothing wrong. I know that there has been, at times in the church, a resistance towards counseling, psychology. Uh, I am not one of those people. Um, I, I mean, yes, do I, do I think Freud was just kind of a perv or whatever? Sure. But I don't think psychology or psychologists are bad at all. I think if, you, if you're physically sick, you go to a physical doctor. If, you're mentally, if your mental health needs, needs a tune-up, you go to a mental health professional. So if, if the trauma for you this year has been physical, has been emotional, has been mental, you should get the kind of care that you need. And, and let me say, by the way, you know, if you're not sure what that means, reach out. If, if you say, well, I'd like to, but I can't afford it, reach out. Let's, let's talk about it. Don't, don't limit what, what is out there. But I'll tell you the truth. I mean, I just know for a fact that in the last year especially, we have seen rates of substance abuse, pornography usage, uh, uh, mental health, suicide attempts, all of these things have spiked. And if, and if you have need for healing physically, emotionally, mentally, get it. But don't forget spiritually. That's the thing that gets overlooked. I have mental health that I need to take care of. I have physical health I need to take care of. Um, that was something when COVID started, uh, I recognized I, my physical health needed to get, uh, my mental health was in a pretty good place. And my emotional health was in a pretty good place, but I was intentional about keeping it there. But then uh, in addition, I was like, you know what? My physical health needs to get in check. So I've been working on that, right? And that's all great. But what about your spiritual health? What about the health of your soul? And Jesus said, you know, somebody could get, gain the whole world, get all the money, be as healthy as they could be, have all the relational health, all the emotional health, and then they lose their soul. And what does it matter? You know, your basic physical health, right? You, you, your diet's good, you eat right, you're exercising, you're resting, um, you know, you're doing all of these things for your physical health, your emotional health, your mental health. What about your spiritual health? Are you guarding your soul? What did we find out last week? Daniel was a man of prayer. Daniel was a man who knew the scripture. We're actually going to find that out uh, here in a couple of weeks in Daniel chapter 9, that, that some of Daniel's uh, experiences and visions and things came from reading the scripture. Prayer, worship, Bible, community. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. I know it's like, oh gosh, this again, Adam? They continued daily. In the apostles' teaching and prayer and fellowship and the breaking of bread, which was probably communion or worship. But all of these things lead to our spiritual health. I mean, it's it's the same as like, hey, if you're if you're not if you don't have a good diet full of the right nutrients and the proper balances, if you don't uh, rest enough, if you're not sleeping enough, your doctor's going to look at you and say you're you're a mess. Spiritually, it's the same thing. If if I'm not delighting myself in the Lord, if I'm not resting spiritually, if I'm not involved in community, if I that's why small groups are so important move us beyond just Sunday mornings into, into real Christian relationships. If I'm, if I'm not pr uh, praying and, and connecting, I, I shouldn't be surprised if my spiritual health isn't good. 
And past victories don't keep your future self safe. You know, Daniel had victories when he was young, but he still had to keep those basic things to keep his soul healthy when he was older. The, the recap is this. You look around and you say, man, my world has just been rough and hard this last year, this last five years, whatever it is. I want that person's life. Don't, don't mistake that. And you say, well, with all of this mess going on, how could God use me? Look at Daniel. He's an exile. He's a captive. First he was young, then he was old, and yet at every point, he responded to what God wanted to do. God wants to do his work in and through you and me and us if we respond. And we can play the long game. Exiles play the long game. Why was Daniel able to be used when he was young and when he was old? Because he guarded his soul. And I hope that, you know what, God has used me for the last 20 years to serve his church. I hope to be used for the next 20 years and beyond. But I have to guard my soul. You have to guard your soul so that we can live out the callings that God has for us, the plans that God has for us. Next week we'll be looking at, uh, beginning to look at some of these prophetic visions that Daniel had. I would say this, you can email me, adam at faithonhill.com, if you have any questions on that score. Uh, I might not address it next week, but maybe I'll be aware of it, and so when it comes to the, the right part of the book of Daniel, I'll answer that question. But I'll tell you this, if you're the person that, you know, I said earlier, you know, God, God's been speaking to you. And remember, Daniel spoke God's word to Nebuchadnezzar and, and Belshazzar, and they didn't listen. And if you're the person that hasn't been listening, you know God's been speaking to you. You know God's been calling out to you, and you haven't been listening. Then I invite you to listen and respond and say, Jesus, I hear your voice. Forgive me of my sins and lead me in your truth. He hears that prayer. And I invite you if, you, if that has been your prayer, to email me, adam at faithonhill.com, so I can pray with you and encourage you. And if you have been speaking and nobody's been listening, if you've grown weary, I just encourage you to rest and delight your soul in Jesus. Invite God the Holy Spirit to fill you fresh with the hope and the love and the joy of God, even in these troubled days. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday at 10.30. Our Zoom small group is uh, 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights, and the 20-minute Bible study releases at the end of the week. God loves you. Jesus died for you and rose again, and the power of God the Holy Spirit is able to be in and on your life just as he was on the life of Daniel. That's good news.